Our work at KEHI matters, not only to impact the lives of our retail partners and suppliers, but to make a difference in our families, our communities, and even the world. Hello, my name is Adrienne Binder, and I'm your host for Fruit of Your Labor, a KEHI podcast. We aspire to update you on what's happening at KEHI and inspire you with the amazing stories of how you are working to make lives better. Enjoy the episode. January is National Slavery and Human Trafficking Prevention Month. Human trafficking is an issue that affects millions, both domestically and abroad. Each year on the podcast, we aim to shine a light on the devastation of trafficking and the work that our KEHI Cares partners do to combat it. This year, I'm joined by KEHI employees Linda Powell and Misty Ellington to hear about their serving trip to Kathmandu, Nepal, with KEHI Cares partner Restoring Hope Nepal. Linda and Misty, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, Misty, let's start with you. How long have you worked for KEHI and what's your current role? Uh, currently, I'm the safety and training manager for our warehouse in Douglasville, Georgia, and I've been with KEHI for two years now. And what about you, Linda? Sure. So um, I'm Linda Powell, executive director of risk management for KEHI. And I'm happy to and proud to say that I'm just celebrating 10 years, tenure with uh, KEHI. Congratulations. Thank you. Let's shift a little bit from, you know, your, your day jobs to this extra opportunity that you had recently where you took a serving trip with a number of other KEHI employees to Nepal. Can you tell us a little bit about the purpose of this trip and what you did in Nepal? The purpose of the trip was, you know, real simple, just to go over and and show love to people who who need love, who want to feel uh, valued, you know, like uh, they are, you know, productive members of society who, you know, just people who want to be hugged. You know, they're suffering from poverty and abuse in Nepal. Uh, there's a, a caste system. So depending upon where you are in that system um, is how you're treated. So, um, yeah, the main purpose of the trip was just to go show love to these people. Very well said, Misty. The only thing I would add to that is in my journey through this whole process and thinking about the purpose and was I going to be able to add value and is this where I was supposed to be was realizing very quickly that this trip was no like no other serving trip at Kehi. Um, most of the serving trips I had been on at Laredo and Guatemala were really rolling up your sleeves and physically doing, you know, a lot of physical work there. And this was very different. Like Misty said, it was love and compassion for the local teams that KE Cares partners with. You just mentioned, you know, the, the difference between these serving trips. Would you say that this one's more emotionally and mentally demanding? Yeah, most definitely. Um, the the work that was done on, you know, all of our parts that attended was just really realizing the sensitive topic of human trafficking and the suffering that goes behind that. For me, what I didn't realize is that for the young women and girls there, the physical experience of the horrific human trafficking got awful, but the mental piece of that 
So absolutely, it was very different in the fact that when you're doing physical work, your mind can shut down a little bit, but this was, you were on 24 seven as far as the mental piece of it, very rewarding, but just very different. So another way that this this trip is different is you're traveling quite literally to the other side of the world and to an entirely different culture. What did you feel when you were selected to go on this trip? And, you know, when you were telling your family and friends about it, how did they react? Well, well, for me, when I applied at first, I saw the email and I felt just compelled to apply. Um, but at the time, my, my mom was sick, so I wasn't really sure if I if I should. But I was like, OK, well, I'm going to do it because I just felt this tug. And um, two days before the interview for the trip, my mom passed. So oh, I'm so sorry. Thank you. You know, it really hit me then that, OK, I need to go over here and you know, be a part of this and uh, especially with the girls at the safe house with the abuse and the uh, sex trafficking. You know, my mom was abused when she was younger. So I felt like a big part for me was to go over and to share her story of how she survived and how she made it. So uh, that was a big deal for me. That's that's amazing how you just, you know, were called and just the timing and how all that worked out. I mean, how amazing. Yeah. Linda? The way this all started for me was a little bit unique as well in that my mom was unexpectedly in the ER. And I remember it being freezing because we were in an area, it was January in Chicago, and we were in an area that the doors needed to keep opening and closing. And I remembered that I had this blanket that I had received from the HR leadership team. And I put that on my mom and I was just looking at the, yeah, I'm trying not to get emotional, but just trying, I was looking at the Kehi logo and I reached out to Jen Bricks via text and just said, you have no idea um, how grateful I am to get this blanket. It's keeping my mom warm. And, you know, where Kehi goes, goodness follows, sure is resonating with me right now. And she texted me back. We, we just did a few exchanges And out of nowhere, what I felt like, um, she said, have you ever thought about going on the Nepal trip? And I was like, Nepal, oh my gosh, I forgot. And so I hyper reacted to that and I went through the application process and and the email came in and I wasn't sure what it was going to say. And I was reading the email and I kept turning away and turning back to the email. And when it said that I was going, I was so thrilled. And then I thought, oh my gosh, now I'm going to go back to my family and talk to them about this. And as you could imagine, certainly there's a lot of fear out there. You know, you're talking to your loved ones about doing something that they don't know anything about. And to to bring this home, what I ended up doing was there were a lot of outlier, not a lot of, but several that were on the extremes, meaning, oh my gosh, you should go. This is great. And then on the other side of Linda, what are you doing? And I stayed the middle ground with that. And I did my own research um, and I listened to those voices, but only so much and relied heavily on the decisions that Kehi makes for their people and the choices we make about helping in areas of need and then match that with my burning desire to help those in need and God's people. So for me, it was an easy choice, but it was definitely a long process and nothing that I took lightly. So I understand when you were in Nepal, you visited three different locations that Kehi supports, the safe home for trafficked women and girls, an orphanage for Tibetan children and a leper colony 
Which of those experiences impacted you the most and why? For me, I probably would say it was the Peace Home Orphanage. I think one of the things that I expected, and I didn't realize it till after I was there, but you know, I expected it to be just doom and gloom, but that's not what I got, right? So it was like the kids were so happy and joyous, like loving. They wanted to hug on you and love you and just, you know, hold your hand the entire time. I probably played basketball for like, what, maybe two or three hours. <laughs> I'm in my 40s, so that's it's not a... <laughs> <laughs> That's not an easy feat. So, um, but, and, and I'm very competitive. So I was not even going to try to let them win. <laughs> so, you know, we played red light, green light. Uh, we learned a lot of, of their games. So just spending, you know, spending that time with them. Then another thing that really caught my attention there was um, they wanted to touch my hair. I'm not sure how many, you know, Black African-American people they meet, but they were fascinated by my hair. So they all got to play in my hair and touch my hair, which which is usually a no-no. But, <laughs> but you know, I, I gave in for the kids. And, and then the, the thing I think that really hit me when we left that I did notice when we first got there was the the physical barriers around the orphanage. So they had to unlock a gate to let us in. And then when we left, they had to lock it behind us. And then they have a, a concrete wall around the orphanage that's embedded with these nails. And it reminded me you know, of a prison that's designed to to keep people in when in actuality it was designed to keep people out from, you know, from hurting the kids or from, you know, robbing and, and stealing from them. That was a lot for me to see. I left. I felt guilty for leaving them. Um, you know, I just wanted to bring them all home with me and take care of them. Um, but just so blessed by their attitudes and the and the joy that they showed. For me, there were multiple incidents that or things that I came across that were just, you know, so impactful. So this was a really hard question for us, Adrian. But I will say that um, before the trip, my role at Kahita changed a little bit. It shifted. COVID, as you could imagine, and there were just a lot of things going on um, for two years that led me down a path of questioning and asking God, do I fit in? And it just was something that was on my heart. And I kept, you know, asking, please, please show me the way, my purpose, you know, am I in the right spot? What am I doing? Help me here. But the, the theme was the question just kept coming back to, to was, do I fit in? And so I didn't see it coming. But as we were in Nepal, there were so many times that it just unfolded that it came back to God responding to me in a way saying, you know, I'm going to show you what not fitting in looks like, Linda, and just a reality check for me and hit me in the gut so many times where I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, from, you know, the girls and the caste system that Misty brought up. And, and how that works and how you need to work through that. And those are all horrific experiences, but where it impacted me the most and really just knocked me to my core. And I think it was God saying, 
you're still not getting it, Linda, because I was still asking, you know, help me, help me, right? Find about fitting in, get me, make sure you get me that message. And it was in the leprosy colony where I just, you know, the hair was standing up on the back of my neck about the not fitting in kind of thing. And I read about the leprosy colonies in the Bible and I learned about it when I was in grade school, but I had no idea that they were still out there. I'm going to be honest with you. And to see that and experience that for these people um, and still see the joy in their faces and it was just a, a, a really um, gut check for me and a lesson and really answered my question about the do I fit in kind of thing and where to take that. So I was very grateful for that. And that was the most impactful at the leprosy colony. Thank you both for for sharing that. I mean, that both of you gave really great examples of just how impactful this trip can be and, and two completely different you know, you walked away with two two different perspectives and, and two different experiences, and but you were together the whole time. While you were there, you had the opportunity to spend time with the girls in the safe house, women and girls that endured horrific circumstances of human trafficking and slavery. How did you see hope in these survivors? Just to see the amazing power of God there was it was almost overwhelming you know at at one point we had you know we had a lot of fun um doing arts and crafts uh with the with the girls but we also had like a a moment of worship where you know you could absolutely feel god in the room the power of it the the raw emotions that you know, everybody experienced from going, I mean, literally probably five minutes before, you know, we were joking, laughing, dancing, doing, and then all of a sudden just, there was just a whole shift. It's, it's hard a lot of times to be vulnerable, you know, especially as uh, women in business, it's not always looked at. You got to, you know, you got to be strong and there's no crying and you can't be vulnerable and and show people who you are because you'll be judged. But that went like out the window totally at the retreat with the girls. Uh, I think even the entire trip, everybody was just, you know, so open and honest and vulnerable with their feelings it was a lot. You know, one of the, the sayings over there, every, everybody you saw, you know, who believers in Christ, uh, they would tell you, uh, Jameson uh, is translated to mean, you know, victory to Jesus. So just to see Christ in, in all of them was just, you know, so amazing that how, you know, it translates from halfway across the world, uh, your beliefs and someone else's beliefs. And if you, you know, not a believer, then who knows, maybe that made people believe even more just to be there and be in that presence and to experience that. For me, I saw, like you, saw hope everywhere. It was most revealing to me, the card that the girls had made us and gave to us at the end as a gift along with the scarf that they handmade for us. This was another emotional and very impactful uh, experience. It just means so much to me and I treasure this. And so for me, that was tons of hope, just very revealing through the girls to us. And it gave me hope. 
What did you learn on this trip about human trafficking that you think is important for our listeners in the United States to understand? I learned that a lot of the victims are actually tricked into the sex trafficking and the abuse, you know, whether it's from promises of a better education, employment, uh, marriage. Some people even, you know, marry those girls in order to uh, sex traffic them. So, um, you know, I think that's important for people to know. It's not a fact of, oh, you know, they were doing something uh, reckless or that put them in danger. But the fact that, you know, sometimes even their families get them in those situations. So I think that's important for people to know that you know, not everyone is reckless and, you know, they're forced into it that way. But basically they're tricked because they just want better lives for themselves and for their families. Here's what I learned. I learned that there are estimates that indicate there are billions of dollars being made globally from this illegal activity. Therefore, traffickers have thought it through. I didn't realize how how much work goes into tricking. And, you know, it's just a very well thought out process. And I had no idea. And it doesn't happen necessarily to an individual individual overnight. They work the system for quite some time to gain trust, um, make their move. Human trafficking is hidden in plain sight, though it's really hard to identify. I didn't realize that. And then, like I said earlier, it's horrible and devastating that the physical impact must be on somebody that's experienced human trafficking. The mental effects of trafficking are far worse and harder to heal from. What would you say to women at Kehi who are considering or, or thinking about going on a serving trip to Nepal? I know this is something that that we're probably going to continue to do annually and applications will come out. So if someone you know is thinking about it, they've listened to this podcast, they've they've sat through, you know, the lunch and learn, uh, but they're on the fence. What what would you say to them? If you're a call to serve, then absolutely 100 percent, you know, do it. Uh, Don't let any fears uh, stop you from the experience, stop you from helping, helping other people. Um, You know, it helps to show our company values. It is a very, you know, hard, difficult, emotional trip, but the reward in the end far outweighs any of that. One of the, one of the greatest things I've ever done. I'd say everything that you said, Misty, and do your own research. Try not to rely on what you may see in the news. Simply put, I felt as though we were there as a lifeline, a helping hand, and just to be present. And I'm going to continue on praying that we continue to go and serve uh, in this area of the world. Even if you are a little apprehensive, like, hey, what am I going to be doing? When talking about the trip, a lot of times we talk about, hey, what skills do I have to offer? What, what, what will I be doing? But just know that being present is, is the biggest piece just to be able to give back to others and for personal growth. Personally, I never, I know a lot of my fear and fear that was um, talked about within my family was, would I be safe? Would I feel safe? I can tell you, I'm not naive. I mean, safety is, just in my bloodline, you can tell by what Misty and I both do for Kehi. But I can tell you that me personally, I never felt once unsafe. We immersed ourselves in the culture there. Um, we were out and about. And I'm not saying that 
crime doesn't happen. It happens everywhere. It happens in Chicago. Um, you know, you need to be obviously smart and alert and things like that. But the planning was done for us. And so I would just want people to know that there were, you know, scheduled calls beforehand. There was so much that went into it as a group, as we connected with the leaders. Um, everybody's very transparent and we had opportunities to ask any questions that we wanted to. Nothing was off the table in my experience. Linda and Misty, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and sharing your impactful stories. Hopefully this will inspire others to apply and take the opportunity to join Kehi in Nepal at some time in the future. Kehi Cares has a number of partners that fight human trafficking, both in the United States and abroad, as well as organizations that work to rescue and restore victims. If you want to contribute to these causes at any time, you can donate at kehicares.org slash donate. Or if you're interested in serving in Nepal or through other serving trips, you can learn more about that at kehicares.org as well. You can also learn more about Restoring Hope Nepal by listening to the podcast episode nine from our season two, where I interviewed Wes Flint, who is the executive director of the organization. 